0: I'm Chris Costello and welcome to On Cue. I look forward to sharing with you topics and guests which may be out of the ordinary and some very extraordinary people who are making a noticeable imprint in today's world.
1: Before the mission starts and my jet takes off, I go back. I go back to where my pilot journey began where it started as a dream, an idea for my future. It started with hope. Hope that I could brave the odds, hope that I could become part of the world's fiercest flying force. It started with hope. Apply heading 230, runway 27 left. Clear
0: for takeoff. For generations, women have emerged from the shadows, challenging themselves and society to achieve what would have seemed to be the impossible. Marie Curie became a renowned physicist and chemist who conducted pioneering research and the first woman to receive a Nobel Prize in Physics and a second in Chemistry. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Sally Ride, the first American woman astronaut, to journey into space. The world of aviation also had female firsts, such as Amelia Earhart, who was an aviation pioneer and the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Thanks to these women and so many more, dreams are no longer unobtainable for women. That glass ceiling has opened up and women are claiming their rightful place in professions once dominated by their male counterparts. Let me introduce you to a woman who found and achieved her dream. Her name, Lieutenant Colonel Nicola Polidor, currently serving in the United States Air Force. A California native, Lieutenant Colonel Polidor, who goes by the call sign Rogue, became an aviator in 2004, a few months after graduating from the U.S. Air Force Academy. In 2011, she became the sixth woman to pilot the B-2 bomber, the world's most advanced aircraft and in 2020 made history as the first female pilot ever to fly the B-2 Stealth bomber over the opening of the Rose Parade in Pasadena, California. So how did her dreams lead her to not just be a pilot, but to pilot an American heavy strategic bomber such as the B-2 Stealth? Who was her greatest influence when, as a 14-year-old, she found her passion in flying? Today, is she treated like any other pilot? What were her challenges? And what is her message for young girls dreaming the dream she had? It is with great pleasure to welcome Lieutenant Colonel Nicola Polidor, currently commander of Detachment 5, 29th Training Systems Squadron at Whiteman Air Force Base. Lieutenant Colonel Polidor, welcome to On Cue. Colonel, I am so excited to have you on the show. I have been reading so much about you. And one thing that keeps popping out is the nickname Rogue. Is there a story behind that name, and how did you earn it?
1: Well, first, let me say thank you very much for having me on. It is such an honor to speak with you today. Yes, my call sign has a story behind it. So it was during one of my first flights when I started the B-2 training program at the very beginning here at Whiteman Air Force Base. And what I will say is some aspects of flying the B-2 is a little bit like operating a computer in some sense. And during one of my first flights here, uh, obviously a student, and I accidentally pressed a button in the aircraft that would be like resetting your computer. And that's not (laughs) normally something we do while we're flying. So um, as a result, I was made fun of a little bit uh, because of this. And so as a joke, it was like I went rogue one day and so that's how I got that call
0: sign. So do they call you rogue? Please do. Well, you know, I am so amazed you're one of, correct me if the figure is wrong, but you're one of only ten women to currently pilot the stealth bomber. Now we're not talking a Cessna 150 or a little Beechcraft, we're talking a big major duty piece of equipment. And I'm so curious, do you see this number growing and more women entering the Air Force's flight training program? I mean, you're paving the way, you and nine other women.
1: I do think that times are changing. And I have had several people that I meet um, over the years who are astonished and sort of surprised that I do what I do. And a lot of times I have been the only woman. Throughout my training and my time in flying squadrons, it was common for me to be the only woman in a training program or a mass briefing of hundreds of aircrew or on a deployment or what have you. But I think society has come a long way, and so has the Air Force. In my 15 years of service, I've witnessed this diversity increase. The Air Force and here locally at Whiteman in the B 2 community, we value this diversity, you know, whether that's gender or ethnic or, or anything. And as you mentioned, yes, I'm very excited to say that currently at Whiteman, we have the most female pilots in history flying currently. And that is amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's encouraging and it, it's exciting to see other women scheduled to fly with me on the same day, whereas before it was somewhat scarce. So I'm just honored to be part of this community at a time like this.
0: How many sit in the B-2 bomber, the stealth, you as the pilot, of course. How many other crew members are with you?
1: There are two total crew members, two pilots.
0: Okay. Do you oftentimes fly with another one of the women that is qualified and trained to fly?
1: I could definitely, and, as I said before, it was scarce to see other women flying. um now we have more, so the probability that I get scheduled with another woman is higher. Um, I do remember my first assignment here at Whiteman. One of the squadron commanders was a woman, and she did one of my training sorties with me and You know, to me, it was just like another flight. I was very focused on my training and getting through the B-2 training program, and I was scheduled with her, and it didn't even sort of dawn on me, but, um, you know, we went off and flew, and we accomplished our mission. So it is, looking back, it's fun to think that there are more and more women that I can do that with now.
0: When you were a kid, and I read where you were 14 years old when, I guess, the flying bug first grabbed you, and... I read where you had hundreds of magazine cutouts taped on your bedroom walls, not of boy bands or the heartthrobs from the popular TV shows, but of airplanes. So how did your interest in planes first come about? Were you a little bit younger at the time, or was 14 really that magic age where you said, "Mm, that's what I want to do. I want to become a pilot.
1: Yeah, it is funny to think back on that time. I mean, it was right around the time of middle school, early high school, where I did, in fact, have pictures of airplanes on my walls, even though I I loved the Backstreet Boys, I have to say. But um, the pictures were of the airplanes. And really it began when, from my memories, I remember when I was um, around that age, my mother and I toured Edwards Air Force Base in California. And this is a huge base that conducts developmental test operations for the Air Force. And they have many different types of aircraft there, ones that are currently flying as well as aircraft that have been retired. And I remember just being captivated when I saw the SR-71. It's just such a cool, unique-looking aircraft, and at the time, something that I had never seen before. And it was exciting to me. It represented speed and technology and what the world could become, and I was just completely mesmerized. And I would say it was at that point that I started to say, yeah, this is something that I want to pursue for my career.
0: So you kind of knew at that age, though, that you at one point would enter the military and you'd want to fly the big, big planes. Um, But we've all had role models, and I know there's got to be that special someone who inspired you and took you to the next level. Who was your inspiration? How did they help you in fulfilling your dreams to fly?
1: You know, I didn't realize it as it was happening, but now looking back, my first flight instructor, when I was taking private pilot's lessons in high school, so around the time when I went to Edwards and I really started getting into airplanes, I started taking private pilot's lessons outside of school. And my first flight instructor was a female Alaskan bush pilot. And, you know, she had a profound influence on me. I'll never forget being able to solo a Cessna. You know, I was 16 years old because of her guidance. And looking back now, the fact that she was a female professional pilot, especially given her generation was this unspoken sort of subtle inspiration that I could really do anything I wanted.
0: Are you still in touch with her?
1: I am. I am. Yes. And, you know, my mother has also been a great role model for me. And she put me in touch with this aviation outfit in Northern California. And I'm not sure if she did it on purpose. You know, I've never actually asked her. But, <laughs> but you know, this, I, I walk in one day, and this was the person who was going to instruct me to fly. And it was a woman. And it was just great.
0: She kind of opened up that door for you, took you into that next level. And she was a woman. So it, it was kind of like it paved the way in a very kind of safe way. Did you solo over Alaska? I did not
1: solo over Alaska, but I soloed over the Bay Area, which was really beautiful.
0: (laughs) Well, we invited people from our Facebook page to ask questions because we got such a response, Colonel, when we announced that you were going to be on. So we got flooded with a lot of questions, but we chose two that we felt were the best ones. And this one came in from Tom in Yuma, Arizona. He says... Colonel, the Stealth is a heavy strategic bomber and the Air Force piloting training to fly the B-2 must be a rigorous training program. Were you in the training program with mostly men and were you treated differently because you were a woman? Very good question.
1: That is a great question. Let me just say that I don't think I was treated differently. You know, I was so focused on the training and getting through the various different programs that we just focus on the mission, whether it's an academic class, whether it's an academic test, and that's what I focused on. You know, I was young and I had dreams of succeeding in this career field, and so I was focused on achieving the, each individual step-by-step. Step. So we start with undergraduate pilot training in the Air Force, which is a year-long program Then I was selected to fly the B-52, so then you go through introductory qualification training for that aircraft. I was in that community for five years, and then I transferred over to the B-2. And in all my times, it was common for me to be the only woman, but I was treated like any other pilot, studying hard, training hard, flying hard, and just getting through each milestone as they came.
0: Well, you know, I read where you stated, and I've been doing a lot of reading on you, Colonel, is that you stated, I'm encouraged to think that society is evolving. And one day soon, the reaction to me saying, I fly the B-2, isn't, oh, they let women do that. Are you seeing a different mindset today, especially with the male pilots?
1: You know, it has been an interesting experience where I would meet people on the street and they would have that reaction. And I would say that in that interaction with these people on the street who are surprised, immediately I'm just greeted with astonishment, almost this disbelief when I say that I'm a B2 pilot and such surprise that a woman can do this task. You know, in addition to their astonishment, though has always been this almost delightful glee in their voice and in their eyes, such excitement. And I see that as hope, you know, a hope that these times are changing. And as more and more women or other people of minority insert themselves into these majority-dominated fields, I hope in the future that me and my profession won't be as unbelievable as it once was.
0: Interesting. It really is. I keep saying that it's paving a whole new way. It's opening so many doors, windows, you know, for women who maybe thought they couldn't do it, that yes, they can. So here's a cute little story. I'm a California girl. You're a California girl. Years ago, I flew for a major airline, not as a pilot, as a, well, then we called them stews. And I can remember the first time that I actually sat in a cockpit of a 737 and we were ferrying a flight. Now, for anybody listening to the show, and if you've never heard the term ferrying before, it basically means you're taking equipment without passengers uh, from one destination to another. Well, as a flight attendant, I can always remember we would always lose galleys because takeoff was absolutely, it was like a fighter jet going down the runway. Everything was very noisy. It shook the vibrations. But the first time I sat in the cockpit, it was the most amazing feeling because I expected this very loud, thunderous, 737 taking off and the pilots by the way loved flying it because it reminded them of their military years of flying and we started to take off and everything was like a whisper it was so quiet it was the most amazing feeling i've ever experienced in my life and so now i want you to take us okay on your first flight behind the controls of a b2 and as i said we're not talking the little cessna 150 or the Beechcraft, but we're talking a stealth bomber what was that feeling like the first time you took that aircraft down the runway?
1: It was such an exhilarating feeling to be in the controls myself. I mean, really, just a dream come true. The notion of the B-2 stealth bomber and how iconic it is, it was in the back of my mind, I have to say. And rolling down the runway and then getting airborne for the first time, I had a similar feeling to you. I remember thinking how smooth it was to fly. It was just so smooth. The B-2's flight computers control the deflection of the surfaces really very well. In terms of the size, I had previous experience flying a large aircraft. So as I mentioned, I used to fly the b 52 So the size of the aircraft was something that I was already accustomed to. But like you said, it was so smooth, and it was such an exhilarating feeling the first time taking off.
0: Okay, so this was like your maiden takeoff. Were your parents there to watch this?
1: They were not for the first takeoff, but the B-2 has... You know, we're in a really great community here because it's a small community. Whiteman Air Force Base is the only base that has B-2s, and there are only a handful of pilots here in this community. So when a pilot is coming to the end of their initial qualification training, a.k.a. they will be a qualified B-2 pilot, so they've gone through all of the academic classes, all of the simulator training, and then all of the flights according to the syllabus, and now they're a qualified B-2 pilot. The community here in the B-2 really celebrates that graduation, and the members of the class who are graduating invite their families to come out and partake in their graduation ceremony, and they watch their flight take off and then land, and it's really just a great ceremonial experience for the family and everybody else involved once they graduate.
0: Well, I can only imagine what your parents, your whole family thought at that moment. I mean, I just get chills thinking about it.
1: It was a good day in my memory.
0: Oh, I would have been crying. I would have been just so excited and overjoyed. And I know they are and still are very proud of you. Colonel, you've logged in over 1,500 flying hours. That's a lot. And probably more as of this interview. And not just on the B-2, but I read where you are qualified on the T-37, the T-38 jets, as well as the B-52 Stratofortress, I love that name, which is a long-range, subsonic, jet-powered strategic bomber. Now, do you ever get nervous sitting behind the controls of such powerful military equipment?
1: You know, the training that we go through is rigorous, and so we're used to focusing on the tasks at hand throughout the flight to accomplish the mission. So the nervous aspect really just starts to go away as you're busy taking care of the tasks at hand, our training is also continuous. So it starts in undergraduate pilot training, and it goes from there. And we're always training to improve our skills. And even when you have 15 years of aviation experience, it's constant training. You know, flying the B-2 is actually quite busy. So at the same time as keeping the jet airborne, we're very busy managing the weapon system and the extensive communication suite, so we don't really have time to get nervous.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Well, just out of curiosity, the B-2, what's the altitude that it flies at?
1: We fly, generally speaking, around the same altitude as, as commercial airliners.
0: Oh, okay. So Corbin from Silverton, Colorado, asked, Colonel Polidor, with your certification on more than one jet. Do you have a personal favorite and why?
1: You know, I've just always loved being part of this B2 program. Coming into this community and being able to be a part of this mission has really been a highlight of my career. When you think about when the B2 was designed, it was on the cutting edge of technology. And it's so exciting to be part of a team that combines that with our combat capabilities and you know it's inspiring to think of how far we've come since the Wright brothers so I just really enjoy being part of this community and this mission.
0: Now you made history this year and I remember seeing as I do every year I watch the Rose Parade and I always love watching the stealth fly over And I was shocked when I heard that the flyover was actually a first-ever, it was a woman pilot. I went, I want to interview this woman. (laughs) I mean, I was just absolutely blown out of my chair. But you made history as the first-ever female pilot to fly the B-2 Stealth over the opening of the Rose Parade. How did you get chosen for such a historic flyover?
1: As you mentioned, you enjoy watching the B-2 flyover every year. So Whiteman has the great pleasure of participating in the Tournament of Roses events every year. And we really treasure being able to represent the Air Force by flying over the parade and the game. And it's a great way to kick off the 1st of January every year, right? I mean, we really have a lot of pride in doing this mission. So... This year was somewhat unique because the Tournament of Roses president, along with some other positions of leadership in the organization, they are currently held by women. And so it was fitting this year that a female flyover for the first time as well. And I was just honored to be part of the team, really, that made that happen.
0: Well, it was amazing. You need to be congratulated over and over again. Along with loving to hear the intro to this segment, I also love rewatching that flyover that you did. It's awesome. Um, But not only are you a pilot, but you're also a mother. And I read where you said your children see both of their parents put on flight suits every day and go to work. And you want them to grow up in a world where they can accomplish whatever they strive for. Do you feel that the world is changing to where women and your children will one day be accepted in what were once a male-dominated profession. And I think, personally, we're moving very fast in that direction. But what's your take on that?
1: I do. I agree. I absolutely see the change more and more every day in the Air Force, in our community here at Whiteman, but in the larger sense of our society as well. You know, my mother instilled in me that I could do whatever I set my mind to. It never occurred to me. It never dawned on me. I never felt restricted because I'm female. And I think that my mother raising me in that way was the reason for that. And that's what I aim to pass on to my daughter as well. You know, we have to start at the beginning. It starts by instilling in young girls that they're equal. They can achieve anything a man can. And it's a long process, but we have to start with our youngest generation.
0: I totally agree with you. And does your daughter want to become a pilot as well?
1: She is six. She has not said that yet, but she did say she wanted a flight suit to dress up as a pilot
0: for Halloween. I love it. I love it. Well, she knows where to go to get it. Exactly. (laughs) You're really paying it forward. You're sending out this great message to young girls and women who are dreaming their dreams to accomplish what you yourself have achieved. What is your message to them? For anybody listening in, What would you like to say to them paying it forward?
1: I would just say, first of all, have a passion for what you would like to do in your life. And if you have that passion, then that's what is driving you. And so find your passion and go for it and don't feel like there are any restrictions Um, just work really hard the second part would be that you have to work really hard you know i have worked really hard i've been committed to my goals and it's taken a lot of hard work and so with dedication and commitment and hard work you can achieve your dreams so gotta have the passion for it first though
0: (laughs) well i don't ever see you standing still (laughs) I mean, you're rated as a senior pilot. You've been awarded and decorated and with five promotions since 2004, which is quite impressive. So in the beginning, you talk about hope, where your dreams started, you know, braving the odds. And I believe dreams can be continued. And I'm curious, is there anything you want to further pursue in the future?
1: You know, I have always had a love for aviation, and that has also been coupled with a love for space. And so, currently, I'm continuing my Air Force career, and I'm having a great time doing that. But if I were to consider options for my life outside of the Air Force, I would love to have it involve space. I've always loved it, and so I think being part of a team that explores that, whether that's a government team or a private company, I, that would be a dream come true.
0: Well, Colonel, I know you're going to achieve that dream, and I can just see it now. One night, I'm going to be looking up, and there is going to be this thing moving across the sky, and I'm going to go, there she is. She is. She got into space. You know? As I said, I don't see you standing in one place. I think you're going to continue reinventing yourself and following the dreams and certainly your hope. Colonel, you've been wonderful to talk with. I want to thank you so much for being on Cue. You've instilled in me so much. I stand in awe of you. I applaud you. And I hope our paths will cross.
1: Well, thank you. I have very much enjoyed talking with you today, and it's really just been an honor to be invited to speak with you.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Colonel.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening, Don Q. I invite you to visit our Facebook page, On Q, Chris Costello, for more information and for upcoming guests. Remember, each of us has a voice and a story. So until next time, share a smile, laugh often, be kind to each other, and let's help make this an even better world.